2: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and
0: icy cold. The rage of the earth. Hi there, Duke fans. Welcome to episode 502 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. We are here on a Friday morning, bright and early, to chat about a very enjoyable evening last night for the Duke Blue Devils as they take down Oral Roberts in the beginning of the NCAA tournament. Duke moves on. We're here to talk about it. We're also going to preview Duke's next matchup coming tomorrow, Saturday, against Tennessee. First, we have introductions, because I'm sure by now, none of you have any idea who's talking to you. I am Jason Evans. I'm joined, as I always am, by Donald Wine and Sam Klein. Donald, how are you feeling this bright
1: and early morning? Uh, Well, first off, happy St. Patrick's Day to all of you that celebrate, but uh, it is Friday, March 17th, as we record. But yeah, I I felt great, because that win was easy. It felt great to watch a game. You know, we've had a few of these lately, but... You know, over the course of the season, it's always great to have those games where you can relax and just watch it happen.
0: I know. It was nice. It was very nice. <laughs> a relaxing evening. I was uh, hanging out with one of my buddies. He brought over a uh, a pizza full of lots of different meats. I love meat on my pizza. And we were just chilling and enjoying that game. And we both kept on sitting there saying, I thought this was going to be harder. I really thought this was going to be harder. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sam Klein is also here with us. It's St. It's Patrick's Day. Uh, I should tell the folks out there, Donald is wearing green. I'm wearing white. Sam is wearing black. It appears.
2: I have a, I have my hoodie on that I think has some green and some blue in it. But uh, I'm a, I'm a ginger beard, so I don't think I, uh, I don't think I'm ever. Uh, Are you exempt? Prepared. Yeah, am I, am I exempt from 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 this nonsense? I'm not Irish, and I have a red beard, so like I feel like I'm I'm always good.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, rather than talk about the color of our beards, let's get to the basketball game.
2: Jason, you're just jealous.
0: <laughs> Jealous that you have a beard? <laughs> <laughs> I could grow a beard. I've grown a beard in the past. My wife hates it. That's the problem.
2: Ah, sure. Okay. Happy wife, uh, happy, wife happy
0: life. Happy wife, happy life. Exactly. Uh, did, every time- I get
2: to, did I get to say earlier that that uh, I fell into like a stupor in the middle of this game? About the same time, I think, actually, the Duke did.
0: What, what do you mean but, by that? You fell into a stupor? Like you uh, were like, just sort of zoning out? I was, out while I was watching. watching
2: this game. I was zoning out. And uh, I think I think uh, the Blue Devils zoned out about the same time because that's when Oral Roberts went on their one offensive run to cut the lead to fourteen.
0: Yeah, I know. And By the way, it was kind of funny. They it, the lead was like out; it was around thirty or something like that, and and they got it down to fourteen. And my buddy Jeff that I was watching the game with was like, "I'm starting to get a little bit nervous." And I went, "I went. I'm about," I said, "I'm about four or six points from getting nervous." And and Duke promptly pushed it back out again. It didn't matter. But anyway, all right, so again, let's get to the recap. As I said, the Blue Devils win this game 74 to 51 was the final score. 23-point margin didn't really reflect reflect what the game was actually like. Duke was in absolute complete control throughout this contest. I, I noted that, uh, I, and, and I'm sure everyone noted this, Oral Roberts didn't score for the first eight minutes of the game. We're talking about a great offensive team, one of the best offensive teams in all of college basketball They didn't score for the first eight minutes. You knew it was going to be a long night for them at that point, right, gentlemen? I guess we have to begin with the headlines. And Donald, I know you had a glance at all the wonderful stuff the listeners sent to us. Give us the best headlines from the listeners.
1: Yeah, so here are some of my favorites. Andrew Bloom uh, wrote in his uh, his headline was "Only thing upset is stomachs as Duke passes their orals," which I thought was cool for all you in the. Med school, who are doctors, would appreciate that. Uh, here's something for us lawyers out there uh, from Chris Emershine: uh, summary judgment. Duke defense defeats oral arguments. Wow, that was that was a little bit of a tongue twister there, but I got the picture, Chris. That was awesome. And then we also had Courtney Kruger who wrote in: or Roberts couldn't pull off a miracle and never had a prayer. And finally, uh, one that I really liked was Dawson Klein. Uh, I believe Dawson, this might be the first time Dawson has, has emailed us. Thank you for emailing us. Uh, Duke wishes Oral Roberts a late Mary Ace as they gift them a defensive nightmare and blowout victory.
0: That's a really uh, the, the Mary Ace was a really
1: good line. I like that one. And can we can we can we say for a minute, like, yo, apologies to Max Ace, because I pronounced his name completely wrong. I pronounced it phonetically uh, the entire episode that we previewed him. I had no idea that it was Ace. Like the B is actually German and they kind of anglicized it and just kept the pronunciation, which uh, you wouldn't have known that unless you had, you know, done some reading during the second half like I did when we were up 25 points. It's
0: so nice of you to have the proper pronunciation.
2: <laughs> Donald, you found the the background material that I didn't normally the way this works when when Duke is playing a team with a player whose name I am not confident about. I will go watch some some highlight clips, and yep, I watched YouTube's a couple right like when we were starting the show, I guess yesterday or two day, whenever we whenever we previewed this, which was only a couple days ago, and I heard it a couple times, and I was like, like the, the videos must be wrong, like this isn't this can't be right. So I, I was kind of mumbling through it when we were doing the preview because I, I I do think we owe any. Any players that we're talking about, we owe them at least the courtesy of saying their names right. And we we totally collectively butchered this one. So um, and and by the way, he has been their best player this year. And before we get to everything else, like everything we said about Max Aismas holds from from the season. Like he had Absolutely. an outstanding year. And all we're going to say now is what a great job Duke did. Uh,
1: Defending him, him
2: up. I had one more headline before we before we get to the the meat of this which is the one from uh, Tina L said Duke enjoys a buffet of golden wings to advance because uh, Oral Roberts are the golden Eagles.
0: Uh, And I had one headline. I like Chuck Westmoreland said, sit down analytics dorks. Duke's got this because (laughs) (laughs) as an analytics dork, I I don't, I don't mind reading Chuck's headline. Uh, Yeah. This was a game where all the analytics folks were like, yeah, there's some things that Oral Roberts does that are going to give Duke problems. One no,
2: more note no. about the headlines. We yeah. got a few in email, and I got a couple actually via text message as well that uh, were the dirty kind because Duke was playing or- Oral Roberts. Yeah, yeah. I ain't yeah. reading any of those, but no. I appreciate all of you, and I thought of all the same ones, so uh, <laughs> we're on the same wavelength. Keep them coming. <laughs> uh Thank
0: you. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I, I. I saw a couple of those that I deleted immediately. From I'm like this Wilco is just
2: works. sent us a good one. Like. Like, uh, yeah. just a few minutes ago.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm like, this is a work computer. I can't have this stuff on my work <laughs> computer. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, let's get to the game and let's get to the good. I think that this portion of the uh, podcast will take a little while. Um, uh, the, what the defense I'm I'm requiring, I'm requiring you guys to start with the defense. Hey, I know Derek Whitehead and especially Jeremy Roach had great games on offense. We'll
1: get to that the story. Of this game was Duke's defense. No question about it. Donald, get me started. Jason, I think the last uh, headline that you mentioned about analytics—it makes sense when we segue into the fact that our defense completely decimated one of the best offensive teams of the country. Right before we talked about how Oral Roberts was like number two in effective field goal percentage amongst all D one schools, they were like number two in three point shooting, number one in two point shooting. I, I don't know what happened, but our Duke defense said, "Nah, you're not getting that tonight." Jason, check these stats out. I mean, for a team that shoots about fifty six percent from the floor, they shot thirty percent last night from the floor. Twenty five percent from three. They didn't even make their free throws. They were they only shot sixty two point five percent from free throw. It was forty to twenty three at the half. As you mentioned, eight minutes for Oral Roberts to score. Asmus, who you know was trying to do things he couldn't get a lot of stuff happening in the game. He, I think he only made one, or a couple of threes. Um, Connor Vano, we talked a lot about him in the in the preview about how he can shoot the three. He only made one. He had six points, and it felt like anytime he went up for a rebound, it came down in the hands of Derek Lively or, or Kyle Filipowski or someone like that. It was amazing how they zeroed in on those two guys and said, okay, these two guys are not going to beat us tonight. Someone else better step up, and – it didn't matter because Oral Roberts just did not have anyone who could match the intensity that we had on defense. I thought Mark Mitchell did a great job, you know, spoiler alert. One of my favorite plays is a defensive play where everyone kind of like lured someone. I think it was Max Aseman's lured him into the, into the uh, paint and said, Oh, there's going to be easy lane to the basket. And all of a sudden Derek Lively appeared out of nowhere, like, like a cheetah just kind of launching out of the woods And launching out of the grass and just said, no, this ball's going 35 feet the other way. Like those type of defensive plays led to a lot of things we did on offense too. And I know we'll talk about the offense, but the fact we forced seven steals, you know, the fact that we out rebounded them 46 to 32, the paint, you know, they could not get anything done in the paint. They couldn't shoot well all night. And it was a testament to the fact that our defense said from opening tip, this is going to be a difficult game for you. Oral Roberts, not for us. Uh,
0: you know, the job The job we did, and just playing off what you said, the job we did on Max Aismas was an absolute thing of beauty. He scored 12 points. That's 10 under his average. This guy usually averages 22 points per game, just four of 15 shooting. Uh, Tyrese Proctor was in his shorts all night. And when he wasn't, I- I'm sure you guys noticed that Mark Mitchell got switched on to him. And it wasn't just like they would set screens and Mitchell would suddenly find himself on Aismas. Duke was... Duke had Mitchell guarding Aismas from the beginning of the possession, which I thought was a really interesting development. And he used his length. He used his athleticism so well to to make Aismas' night into just a nightmare. Uh, One of the things I discussed in the preview was how great Oral Roberts is at not turning the ball over. We talked about it endlessly. The second best team in all of college basketball at not committing turnovers. And part of that is the ball's always in Max Aismas' hands, And he doesn't commit turnovers. Well, he had five turnovers in this game. I I can't, I just can't overstate what a big deal that is. And on on the game, Oral Roberts had nine turnovers and Duke only had eight. I, I don't know. I know Vegas doesn't do odds on something as exotic as turn as total turnovers, but for Duke to beat Oral Roberts in turnovers was that was something that no one could see coming. And if you're if you Want to tell me, hey, Duke's going to win this game by close to 30 points. You know, I'm probably going to say maybe that's because of those turnovers. Sam, I know you want to talk about the bigs. Man, what a job did Derek Lively. Derek Lively had the best game you'll ever see out of a player who only scored four points, didn't
2: he? Yeah, this was a, uh, it felt like a Draymond Green special, right? Where uh, he scores four points, uh, but Lively also pulls down 12 rebounds and blocks six shots. And there's there's It was similar to the UNC game in Cameron. Exactly. that's like that one.
0: yeah and by uh, the way six blocks how many shots did he change
2: well so so what i what i <laughs> wanted to bring up jason is your favorite topic here which is that uh this game was going to be a contrast of styles right oral roberts is very small other than vanover and we talked in the preview about how vanover is not crashing uh inside on on offense everything is coming from outside acsmith can drive but uh, but but a lot of the points are being scored from the perimeter or at least from the mid-range. And last night, because they weren't able to get the shots and because there was no safety valve to, for them to come inside, there was just nothing that Oral Roberts can do. And that started, I think, like as as great a job as Proctor and, and Mitchell did on... On I think all of that started with Derek Lively because he took up so much space in the post, not just hanging out there and sort of waiting for guys to come, but even when his man was on the perimeter, whether that was Vanover or somebody else, he was always keeping an eye on the lane. So when Acemas came came into the lane, if if Isaac McBride came into the lane, uh, Lively was there to block the shot. The the most aggressive one, he had one on Acemas where he basically appeared. I think to Acey he, he he appeared out of nowhere but if you're watching on TV you could see that Lively was like I'm getting this block like I have there is there is no <laughs> chance that this ball is is touching any rim or backboard because I am going to uh obliterate this ball like in, into the atmosphere so that the the blocks were one thing from Lively and the way that he was just keeping everybody away from the paint no easy baskets the other guy who I thought had a great night on defense was Kyle Filipowski, and maybe we'll talk in the bad about how Flip only scores six points last night. But what an impressive defensive performance from Flip! He, you, you mentioned that that uh, Asmus turned the ball over five times. A couple of those were Kyle Filipowski steals, and mm-hmm. it is pretty hard for a man who is seven feet tall, uh, who's a freshman, who's still sort of finding his way around, to be you know, pick in the pocket of a, of a six foot lightning quick senior. That was really impressive from, from Filipowski, his best, like I I can't imagine a better game from him in which he barely scores. Not that Duke even needed him last night, but he was able to stay on the floor with lively for long stretches. The other thing that I uh, appreciated or, or, or was impressed by with Duke in this one is that they were able to keep two big men on the floor, whether it was lively and flip or, or Ryan young who got, only a couple minutes, but he was really effective on offense. Duke didn't didn't back down from uh, Oral Roberts having a lot of fast perimeter guys that you would think would would limit Duke's ability to play big. Duke really imposed their size, their speed, and their style in this game. Yeah,
0: so Sam, I go back to and I forget when we were talking about it, but a couple games ago, you were discussing Derek Lively and and the way teams sort of see him in a general vicinity of the floor and go, okay, we need to avoid that. Like, let's not go anywhere close to him.
2: It feels like his space is getting bigger.
0: Yeah, well, that's what I was, I literally was going to say in that game last night. First of all, he's so, I mean, lively, so wide that you're like, you know, oh my gosh, he, <laughs> you know, he could, and and, uh, you know, the length of his stride, his quickness, his wingspan allows him to cover a ton of territory, and his ability to recover from, you know, whether it's a screen or some other situation to, to then get to somewhere else on the floor, you know, again, it's it's like a third or half of the court. It, he, he's he got it all by himself to some extent. And, and teams just don't know what to make of that. And you saw Oral Roberts, like, there were sometimes they were just looking around and saying, okay, well, he's over there, we can't operate over there, but there are three guys over here. Where you know, and they just didn't know where to go for a for a team that is a tremendously efficient offensive team. They they look flummoxed constantly by Duke. Donald, give me some. I know you looked up some of the
1: defensive stats. There's some really impressive stuff, isn't there? Well, credit to you know Duke men's basketball. They put out some stats after each game, and these actually came from their uh, their you know recap. So check this out, Jason. They held Oral Roberts to 51 points. That was their second fewest total points scored all year. This 33 points below their season scoring average. They average 84 points a game and they only got 51. Their fewest points allowed by Duke in the NCAA tournament since 2015, when they beat San Diego state and they only allowed 49 points to San Diego state at that point. So that was, that was, a. I mean, this is incredible defensive stance, which Don- is Donal- incredible in the tournament. But before you do other stats, can
0: we just repeat that to people? A team that averages 84 points per game just
1: scored 51 on Duke. I, Barely. I can't. Right. Like, like they had to, you know, garbage time is where they got to 51.
2: Well, Duke, and, and, was, Duke was on pace to hold Oral Roberts uh, in the 40s for a oh, yeah. this game, and, that, yeah, and they then had, Oral Roberts went on that run in they the had had eleven.
0: Half. They had a little 11 nothing run that they did over the course of, like, maybe two minutes. They, they got really hot for, like, two minutes. But other than that, yeah, they they – I don't even think they
1: were scoring a point a minute other than that. It was crazy. Well, Jason, it's funny you mentioned that because the last stat I have, they averaged just 0.8 points per possession. 0.8. That's not good because when the ball goes in the net, you usually get at least two points, right? So on each possession, they were averaging less than a free throw. And that's just a testament to how great Duke's defense was. And honestly, you know, like we said, there was that one scoring run that Oral Roberts went on in the second half to bring it to within 14. And the fact that they could go on a 12 0 run to bring it down to 14 points just shows you how how clinical Duke was on defense and how easy this game was for them because of that. So one last thing about the D that I want to
0: get to before we move on to the offense, and it'll be very, very quick. We we already mentioned, obviously, that Earl Roberts didn't score the first eight minutes of the first half, similar to the Pit game uh, in the ACC tournament where Duke had a, a nice lead at halftime, but it wasn't like the game was already over. Duke then comes out of the start of the second half and completely strangles the opposition and stretches that lead out so that you realize, okay, this, this game actually is over. And we did the same thing to Oral Roberts. They didn't score the first five minutes of the second half. No points the first eight minutes of the first half. No points the first five minutes of the second half. Duke comes out of the locker room and just says, I'm strangling you. You're not going to get anything done. You're going to have a frustrating half, and and uh, you know that is a great way to sap the energy from the opposition. Uh, it, it it it's a it's a sign of coaching as well. And so, huge hat tip to the coaching staff
2: in both the uh, like in game interviews and in the post game interview. Or Roberts's head coach Paul Mills couldn't say enough about how devastating it was playing against Duke's defense. And he gave John Shire a lot of credit. He like he gave Derek Lively a lot of credit for that for just being Derek Lively, but also a lot of credit to John Shire to say, you know, Duke had this had this game scouted so well. We said in the preview that, you know, there there are a lot of things that Oral Roberts does that Duke hasn't really seen this year. And I didn't feel like they were able to execute any of the stuff that we talked about. I think that comes and i I've, I've been I've been praising him a lot. Recently, but I think a lot of that comes back to John Shire and the preparation that this team had. There was nothing that they seemed ill prepared for in in this game, and it's not just that they held Oral Roberts to you know to zero points in the first eight minutes. That was that was happening throughout the night. All
0: right, gentlemen. Uh, as great as Duke was on defense, we do need to talk about a couple guys on offense, and it all begins with Jeremy Roach. Uh, I don't know, I, you know, you can either call him March Roach or Tournament Roach. I think that. Both titles are sort of appropriate, but that dude is a ridiculous stud. He just put the offense on his back in this game, and the rest of us came along for the ride, and it was a quite enjoyable ride. He had no fear, none, at diving to the hoop, even with an elite 7'5 shot blocker. Again, to remind folks, Connor Vanover, according to the advanced metrics, is the fourth best shot blocker in all of college basketball, and Jeremy Roach was like, yeah, I don't care. He put up a career high, Roach put up a career high, 23 points, even though his outside shot really wasn't there. I mean, let you know, if you want to criticize Jeremy Roach at all, he was just one of five from three, <laughs> but he was eight of 12, eight of 12 on his two point field goals. And we just repeatedly put the ball in his hands and let him go to work. It was, it was super fun to watch. Sam, I'll let you talk about it first. And then Donald, I'm sure you want to chime in.
2: I, I we know that Jeremy Roach has so many moves around the basket, and he needed to use all of them last night against Vanover. You, you said, Jason, Vanover's waiting for you to to come into the lane so that he can swat that ball out. And Jeremy Roach almost felt like he was like tempting Vanover, like he was like, "All right, how am I on this possession going to make them all crash into one place so that I can do a little scoop and score under the basket?" Like he was using every angle, and and it's they. they I think the broadcasters were talking about this, but it's great to see the way that Roach has embraced being the off ball guy on this team that, that Proctor is able to initiate the offense, which allows Roach to, you know, attack from the corners to attack from, um, you know, like from the, from the side of the court. And he's been so, so good at it. He also notches three assists and just one turnover last night. um, Jason, you already highlighted the, the, turnover margin that Duke usually loses and and Duke only commits eight turnovers. So between Roach committing only one, uh, I think Proctor had had no turnovers last night. Duke's guards were just so good at at keeping Oral Roberts from from doing anything on defense. And and what an awesome performance from Roach to allow basically everybody else to be focused on the defensive end.
1: So it wasn't just the fact that he was figuring out all ways to lay the ball in off the glass. But he also has that 10 to 12 foot shot that he was also doing. He would drive into the lane, especially when he established the fact that, yo, I can go to the, go to the rim whenever I want to guys, like, like you're not going to stop me. So what they would do is they would kind of back off and kind of prepare for him to do some, you know, freaky stuff underneath the lane, but he would just stop pop a 10 footer, pop a 12 footer. There was also a couple of times where he'd go to the basket He'd look like he'd go hard, and at the last minute, a couple of those assists, Sam, that you were talking about, he would just kind of dish it off to a Mark Mitchell for a dunk, or for Derek Livey for two of his four points, where he would just go up and just yam it. And there was, I think, one of them, I forgot which one it was, one of them did it over Vanover, right? Like Vanover was going for the block, initial block off of Roach. Roach lays it off for one of those guys, and all of a sudden, Vanover all he can do is turn around and watch one of those guys go in the air and dunk it right in front of him. So, the the idea that Jeremy Roach was fearless is the correct one because he was able to go in there and it wasn't even like it was fearless. It was more the fact that he just understood the assignment and he let Oral Roberts know, guys, you're not stopping me tonight. Whatever I do is going to be on my accord. And even if you think you can stop me, I got my teammates who are going to back me up and they're going to, they're going to finish it for me. So he, he did a great job at, at commanding the offense scoring points at will but also again those few times where he was able to find someone for an open sh- jump shot or for a dunk it, it kept the offense flowing and, and again that defense moved moved everything to offense but Jeremy Roach on offense was said this is my ball this is my court
0: hey gentlemen as we continue to go through the good i do want to mention Derek Whitehead who you know he just looks like an nba player <laughs> it, it it's abundantly clear like he moves like a gazelle around the court like Those three pointers that he shoots his elevation on them. Like I said, I was watching with my buddy and he was just like, everything about this guy looks so fluid and athletic and smooth. I mean, you know, I keep waiting. We're never going to see it. I keep waiting for him to be more aggressive with the ball in his hands and take it to the hole. I think it's never going to happen at Duke, which is, you know, I'm, I've said, I'm so sad about that, but his three point jumper is just super special and I also wanted to note about him. I thought he and Mark Mitchell had a couple rebounds in traffic where they went up, and you were just like, you know, they were like, I'm getting this ball. And you were like, that, that guy is, we, we've got some just ridiculous athletes on this team. And it's, it's fun to watch them play, you know, to have them show off their, their athleticism. But Derek Whitehead, uh, if we, if we get offensive performances like that from him, it's, it's really hard to figure out how teams are going to beat this Duke team.
2: Do you remember Jason Tatum? I do. <laughs> like yes, this I do. Yes, I do. Yes. Derick White is doing the. D- do you remember a uh, guy who's like in contention to be the MVP in the in the NBA this year? Right. This is like what it looked like when when Tatum was good, right? And, yeah. and a lot of the same, a lot of the same moves. And man, I wish that like acknowledging that he is almost certainly gone at the end of this season. Uh, I wish we had gotten the the full healthy season of Whitehead because we would be enjoying it so much more than we are just getting to get these like glimpses at the end of the season
1: jason you mentioned that you were kind of said that we not going to get the full like whitehead drive to the lane and yam on someone experience i'm not because you know look we all have seen steph curry and how he plays we've seen clay Thompson or clay thompson and how he plays you can make an ugly face off of someone just drilling a three just the same as you can when someone yams in someone's face and let me tell you all of Derek Whitehead's threes last night had me with the ugly face because every single time it looked like he looked someone dead in their eyes and said, hey, see this ball? I'm shooting this in your face and it's going in. And they were, I mean, they were all water all night. Like this man was not missing. So if he's going to continue to do that, he can stay out. He can stay out and shoot 35 footers all, all he wants. Because I thought those those were all ones where even if, you know, or Roberts had a modicum of, you know, wanting to get back in that game, Tariq White had shot them right back out of it. And it was very, very, it was very fun to see him have fun on the court. He even had a four-point play or at least a a four-point play in in, in one of the halves. But like, it it was so much fun to see him smile doing that, right? Like, it it seems like a lot of times he's not necessarily forced an issue, but it, it feels like he's just trying to be all business out there. This was the night where he was shooting... Jays in people's faces and having fun with it, and you can tell you you can have just as much fun shooting a three in someone's face as you can dunking in them. All right, gentlemen. I think the next
0: segment of the podcast will be relatively short. We do have to discuss the bad, and I suppose we start with kyle Filipowski, who was not himself. He he, he you know, they said after the game. They said during the game, sorry, that he was puking on the Duke bench. They they mm-hmm. chalked it up to nerves, but in the post game locker room. He told reporters that he'd eaten some bad food at the hotel. Um, he said he'll be fine on Saturday. Uh, it, it, you could tell it was it was more than nerves with him. Uh, his moves on the floor didn't seem as decisive or athletic as usually. Um, he he is a huge usage guy for Duke. Usually Derek, uh, sorry, usually Kyle Filipowski is taking. You know, at least twenty five percent of Duke's possessions as as a shot or or something else by him, and and his usage was way down. He only took seven shots. Several of those were, you know, like dunks or putbacks stuff where you know it didn't really require him to be assertively taking control of the offense. So uh, it it was not a great game from him. You said he had some nice steals and stuff, but clearly he was under the weather. If we're going to be honest, though. This was a not a great game from Kovalchuk.
1: Donald, look, I think when we talk about the fact that he was, you know, throwing up on the sideline and people chalked it up to nerves, we've seen this guy at the ACC tournament. It wasn't nerves. It was ang- it was ang- being anxious, right? Like for him, it, it's not. A, you can you can have that kind of reaction to bad food or yeah, nerves can play a part in it. But it felt like he was just anxious to be out there and he he wanted everything to go right. Right, like, and and that's everybody, right? Everyone in the NCAA tournament knows this. The is the one shining moment that they could have, and they want everything to be perfect. And when it's not going perfectly, you kind of get anxious about it. And that's what it looked like to me. It looked like he, not necessarily he was forcing the issue, but there's a point where the things that he normally does well, without hesitation, just was like a half step too slow or a half second, just not there, uh, half a click off. And he couldn't he just felt like he couldn't get right by it. Now, again, he he usually when these happen this happened during the regular season, he would have a bad game overall, right? He wouldn't be good on defense and he wouldn't make up for it in other, other areas of the floor. I thought he did that last night, especially on the defensive end. But I think just on offense, I think he's gonna be fine. I think now that he's gotten a taste of the NCAA tournament, we're gonna see the real Caliphate Pass again Saturday.
2: And like I said, I I think he's still he still had a few defensive highlights yesterday even though he wasn't scoring but he clearly feels the pressure to score for this team cuz that's been what he's been uh doing you know the entirety of the season so uh let's hope that you know he he can reflect on this game uh recognize that that he does not actually need to carry the load in a number of ways for Duke and hopefully he's much more settled in for when Duke faces Tennessee tomorrow Jason, by the way, I got nothing else on the bat. I had, I had no notes. I, I, I thought that uh, despite the struggles, I, I liked Philipowski's uh, grit in this one, and the fact that he was thrown up at some point and then was still able to to play effective defense was very impressive to me. And otherwise, like we told you, that Ryan Young wasn't going to have much of a an opportunity in this game. He didn't, but that part of that, you know, I, I, I chalk all that up to to Oral Roberts's style and their their personnel so uh, nothing else from me on on the bat I, I, I this is one of Duke's most impressive performances this season
0: um I, I I do want to note that Duke had some their turnovers we did a nice job of not committing a lot of turnovers but there were a couple sloppy ones you can count on Dariq Whitehead to have at least one time where he dribbles the ball off his foot every game <laughs> I think he did that twice in this game. Uh, and it, it's kind of amazing that we we blew a team out where I really only felt like two guys really played well on offense, Whitehead and and Roach. I'm not sure anybody else had a had a really good offensive game. Tyrese Proctor, I thought, made some poor shot decisions. Like I I thought he took some shots. I was like, that's kind of questionable, and then he would miss it. So and and the team did lose focus for a little bit in the second half. You know, or Roberts had that 11 point run. And and I thought, you know, Duke responded to it well, but but we lost focus during that eleven point run. So, Donald, give me give me the last piece of bad, and then then we're going to take a quick commercial break. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, I, I think for me the the assists we only had thirteen assists and thirty one made baskets. That's well below our average, like we've talked about all season. We're usually in the sixty to seventy percent range of assists to made baskets, and it, it's not that I felt like our offense was stagnant because I thought we were doing fairly well as a team on offense, we had a couple of struggles where we, we couldn't uh, get shots, get put points on the board, but at least I thought it was, it was, we're doing a good job at, at, you know, taking it to oral Roberts. But I do think the best version of Duke is the one where ball is moving around where people are making baskets off of, off of passes. And, you know, us finding open, open people in the, in the court for, for open jump shots and open dunks. So I, I think that's something where, you know, I obviously want that to go up a little bit, but, I didn't think it stagnated the offense where we had, unlike other times where we have seen the assist number down, it felt like the offense was stagnated. But I do think, you know, continuing to move the ball is the best version of Duke. And I think we'll hopefully see that against Tennessee on Saturday.
0: All right, that's all we got for the bad. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back from the break, our favorite plays from the destruction of Oral Roberts and what else we saw on day one of the NCAA tournament. Yes, we will be discussing Virginia. This episode of the Duke Basketball Roundup is sponsored by BetterHelp.
1: Wow, the year feels like it's flown by. As we enter the summer, it is the time to take note of the wins that life has brought you. And it's a good time to make adjustments for the rest of 2024. Talking to someone about those wins and improvements can help you recalibrate and give you something to focus on for the remaining months of the year.
0: That's right, Donald. That's where BetterHelp can provide the alley Getting advice from a therapist can help you keep the focus on the good things in life and learn how to handle the hard better. It's online, it's flexible, and you get to fit it within your schedule. You just fill out a questionnaire and you get matched to a professional that can serve as your guide and you can switch
1: anytime you wish. So if you need help setting those goals to carry you through 2024, try BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com/DukeBB. That's D-U-K-E B-B today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp hel pcom dukebb
2: We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, amber hot and icy
0: cold. All right, we're back from the break, guys. Before we get to the rest of what happened in the NCAA tournament on day one, some truly exciting, fun stuff going on. We do have to do our favorite plays from this game. Donald, I will go to you first. What is your favorite play from Duke's victory over Oral Roberts?
1: I, I talked about it in the good because it was on defense, and it was. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't remember all the all the all the you know details of this play, but I do know the ending. It's the one play where it felt like all the Duke players on the floor kind of lured an Oral Roberts player I believe it was Athmus uh into driving the lane and he was driving the lane he was like oh wow there's nobody in the paint I guess I'm gonna go up for this lamp and then all of a sudden Derek Lively appears out of nowhere and swats the ball 35 feet they retained the possession uh Oral Roberts did but they retained the possession at the half court line because that's where the ball went that's how far he swatted uh it was one of those things where in for a guy who's seven-1 for him to just kind of you know appear out of nowhere and just it felt like he jumped from underneath the floor and came, came up and just, I mean, swatted the Timbuktu. That was fun. I love that. You have a defensive play as your play of the game,
0: Sam, what's your favorite play? I
2: will. I, I talked about Kyle Filipowski's defense in the first segment. I will take, uh, I, I also don't remember exactly what point in the game this was, but he had a straight steal of Ace Miss on the perimeter where he took it. And then he ran down the court and dunked it. And, Maybe he was throwing up all game, but uh that's awesome. Seven footers don't do that to to speedy <laughs> six foot guys. So uh a, a straight steal. Like not like uh, oh Ace was trying to do something clever. No, Philipowski was like, nope, give me that ball.
0: <laughs> all right. So I got a few nominees for my favorite play. Uh it, it's not gonna make the the final cut, but I did love, you guys are gonna laugh. I love the the pass from Jaden's shoot to Kale catchings for a layup. In the final couple of minutes, I was you know, like, it was a good one. I like I that was like, too. Yeah, shoot, that's a really nice pass and a nice finish by Kale Catchings. Um, I also adored every single one of the three pointers by Derek Whitehead. They were elegant. I wrote in my notes, I was like, Derek Whitehead's shot is elegant. It's not often you use that word when talking about a, a basketball play. And I wanted to shout out as well Jacob Grandison. We haven't mentioned him yet on this podcast. He had some heady plays, I thought he had a pretty good game including one play where I believe he threw the ball. It got deflected. He got it back. He put in a layup. I think that's an assist and a layup on the same play. (laughs) I'm not
1: sure if that's really possible, but
2: may I use this? He did get credit.
1: He did get credit for one assist. So
0: (laughs) maybe that was it. Maybe that was it.
2: May I use this as an opportunity to segue from talking about uh, Jacob Grandison's amazing uh, self-pass to uh, the worst pass of yesterday? That happened uh, at the end oh, of the sure. Virginia game.
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. Not wait, wait, not yet, not yet, because I haven't given my favorite play. So I'm gonna. We're not. You, we're,
2: we're not doing Kihei Clark yet. When, no, when do we do? Kihei we're about Clark? to. We're about That's to. That's another give me one second.
0: Before we do Kihei Clark, the final thing on this game is my favorite play, with one minute left in the first half, and Oral Roberts kind of thinking maybe you know we can have a little flurry here late and get back into this game. Jeremy Roach said uh, no, on back-to-back possessions. He did this. First, he drove the lane, completely got around his man, and he hit an absurd reverse layup that Connor Vanover was like, I'm going to block this. And Jeremy Roach was like, No, you're not. <laughs> it was a great, it was like one of the many great layups he had. But then on the very next possession for Duke, he uh, again, Roach gets around his man. He gets in the lane. Connor Vanover comes over, and Roach almost threw the ball behind his head to Derek Lively for a dunk. But those two plays back-to-back just showed how much Jeremy Roach was in complete control of everything that was happening in this game and how he was able to impact the game in multiple different ways when he drove to the basket. All right. Now, gentlemen, now we can get to Kihei Clark, just one of the most boneheaded – Sam, you wanted to talk about it – one of the most boneheaded plays in college tournament
2: history. And look, before we we give him a little – a little grief about it. He Clark's career now is over, I think at, at UVA and what an amazing career he had. He was so good for the who's for the last, I don't know, 14 seasons. I think he was there. I think so he was 37. He's been, yeah. Yeah. I think he, no, wait, I think he wait. and Sean,
0: there was a great and Sean
2: Singletary, I think played in the backcourt together, right?
0: <laughs> there was a great yeah. moment in the game where uh, it, it was uh, in the second half, maybe about four or five minutes left. And Kihei Clark made a, a nice play. And the announcer said, uh, oh, you know, uh, Kihei Clark has played or more wins than any player in ACC history or something like that. More mm-hmm. games, more wins or something like that. And the color guy said, well, he's been there for 13 years. Like, the yeah, guy, like, he didn't bat an eye. He was just like, well, Kihei Clark's been with Virginia for 13 seasons now. I cracked up. So
2: so what a career for Kihei Clark. He got a national championship. But uh, man, the way that it goes out for him is about as as brutal as you could possibly imagine. I was I was watching that game and I was thinking Furman Furman can't can't beat Virginia. Uh, This is not this is not one of those upsets. Look, the, the Oral Roberts over Duke was a much more popular pick, I think, than Furman over Virginia. And yes, yeah. uh, but but he re- I mean, if you haven't seen the clip yet, I don't know how that happened. Uh, Watch it if you if you really are in the mood for Virginia schadenfreude. Because this is about as bad as it gets uh, was him him throwing that ball away. It reminded me of uh, one of my favorite horrible highlights in basketball history, which is uh, Michael Ruffin when he was playing for the Wizards had a play sort of like this. Uh, the Wizards had the ball with like a few seconds left, and Michael Ruffin just like threw the ball like straight in the air just to just to waste clock. But he didn't quite like he he didn't throw didn't get a that high up, muscle yeah. behind it. <laughs> And he, yeah, and he, and he threw it. I don't remember who caught it, but he, he threw it to the guy on the other team, and he made a three pointer. And Michael Ruffin was like, "Oh my god!" And Gilbert Arenas was on the team and didn't shoot him immediately. So, uh, I, which is probably the most astounding thing about it. So uh, that was amazing, and I, I don't know if you guys had had more to say about about UVA. It's a bummer that that they lost, but as I've noted before, uh, I I hate the rest of the ACC, so I'm totally fine with this.
1: Look, in the last four se- four years uh, that uva has gone to the ncaa tournament oh this is brutal you're gonna do the stat aren't you oh this is 2018 2018 we all know what happened five years ago yesterday they lost umbc as a one seed as the number one overall seed One 16 defeats one 2019 they won a national championship by the way
0: before you finish off it should be Mm -hmm. noted that part of them winning the national championship was kihei clark making an incredible pass like it is like his career bookends the beginning of his career on the national stage is him making that pass uh, against it, Texas Tech game, I believe it was. Was it Texas Tech? Yeah, it, it, it was. It just
2: that, they they had a they had a crazy game against Texas Tech and a crazy game against Purdue in that mm-hmm. uh, in that run. But I think it was I, against Texas Tech when he made the he made the play.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then anyway, but
1: Donald continue with UVA's yeah. futility. So the they had tournament. in the in the last four tournaments they had been in, lost in the first round to a 16 seed, won the national championship. Lost in the first round. And then this year they lost in the first round. So for those of you who like to pick. Wait, New wait, 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 goal, wait. You
0: didn't yeah. do it justice. It's not just that they lost in the first round. Those three losses that you mentioned were all to seeds 13 or lower. I
1: well, mean, they had to be because you have been good for the last, like, you know, decade, right? We've talked about this on the show how good they've been over the last decade and how somehow they still are flying under the radar and, and Tony Bennett gets coach of the year nominations and, and votes. So, but at the end of the day, this was probably the, it's funny, right? Everyone's going to remember UMBC, but after that, they're probably going to remember this one because of how bad it was at the very end.
0: Guys, the other big upset, of course, is Princeton takes out Arizona. Just a, a, a shocking result. It wrecked my, just wrecked my bracket. As We we had our final four picks. Arizona was in my final four. It just destroyed my Same. bracket.
2: It's, uh, it, it's tough out there these days for two seeds like i i remember being really devastated when duke lost as a two seed and it feels like it's becoming more common now so i gotta stop like i automatically just send the ones and twos uh at least i, I send all the one seeds when i'm picking the, these games almost automatically send the one seeds to the second weekend and i automatically send the two seeds to the to the second round i gotta start thinking about this more look
1: i, I like I, we were talking about this yesterday i love that all the chaos happened before 7 10 p.m. on the east coast because that's when Duke started playing. All the after that there was no more chaos. And I said chaos can can ensue in the tournament as long as it doesn't apply to your team. And thankfully when, when Duke played it was very easy. The late games were I mean blowouts and the two if you talk about Duke was impressive. UCLA, Texas, and Penn State all looked impressive. Everyone else kind of had shaky outcomes. But I did also really quickly want to shout out uh I wanted to shout out Howard and our friend Kenny Blakeney they they hung in there with Kansas for the first like 30 minutes or so of the game before it kind of got gave them a little yeah. out of hand but they battled with them the, those uh those jerseys that say the mech on them top notch got it got a hand to them but they had a great season and honestly they should have uh it, it sucks that they that their run has ended but yo they they represented well they represented for DC they represented HBCUs everywhere and Kenny is always representing the Brotherhood so congratulations to them on a great season. All right, that's going to wrap it up here on
0: episode 502 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. We're going to be back in your feet, by the way. You may see episodes back to back in your feed, but we're going to be back in your feet in a matter of moments to preview Duke's contest against Tennessee, a big, big game, spot in the Sweet 16 on the line. But before we get to that, we're going to go. He's Donald. He's Sam. I'm Jason. Here's the Duke band to play us out and take us home.